Good evening and welcome to Face for Radio, your one-stop shop for all things nerd. As always, your hosts tonight are Fucking Harrison and Randall Aubrey, and me as your special guest for the evening, Lady Slade. Are you ready? It's an emergency!
radio, I am fucking Harrison, and apparently nobody's fucking me right now. Oh. Uh, so I'm told. I've been told on past shows. <laughs> oh, I still love you, Harrison. Well, thank you, darling. I appreciate that. Um, and as always, my hetero life mate, my partner in crime, Mr. Randall Aubrey, 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 Aubrey. Hello and good evening, listener. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for this uh, geekery fireside chat uh, that we're about to that we're about to have. Uh, I appreciate you, whoever you are. And our special lady of the evening is Miss Slade, Lady Slade, if you please. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. It's our first live show. They didn't tell me until right now uh, that it's live. They didn't live. tell me until now. <laughs> I am I am nervous like a schoolgirl. I was really excited. He's gonna crop and take things out if I mess up and make a fool of myself but now this one listener is going to hear it all I made a unilateral decision <laughs> and I said we're going live I decided two days ago I said fuck it we're going to bite the bullet we've been doing this for three months let's go ahead and go live And we, well we've been doing it live for how long already? It's uh, well, I mean we've been doing the pre-record and all that so yes yeah. um, no, I'm talking with the other shows like with the Plex and so on oh, and yeah. so forth yeah we've been fucking doing it live long enough this, is, this actually feels a lot more this comfortable yeah. I I just it's it's say anything 2016 let's do this As usual we're going to start with you guessed it, Star Wars. And what's topping our docket tonight? Well, if anybody out there in movie land was paying attention this morning to Good Morning America, I know I wasn't paying attention to Good Morning America because that's cable syndicated crap, but I was paying attention to the interwebs, and guess what? Rogue One's first teaser trailer dropped this morning. Oh, and it was ready. It was full cannon fodder for all of us to consume here on the West Coast at 5 a.m. Because they had it live at 8. But, uh, yes, so the trailer dropped, and I know I was completely ecstatic about it. I mean, I'm going to throw this out there first. What they're doing with the Star Wars universe, I mean, Felicity Jones here is in another powerful, very strong female role. And I love me some Felicity Jones. I don't know if you guys have seen her, but goddamn it, I always talk about women on this show. I love this gal. She's so multifaceted, so fantastic. She won Best Supporting Actress for uh, Theory of Any, uh, The Theory of Everything mm-hmm. that Eddie Redmayne won Best Actor for. Yeah. That was last year, not this pa- this past season, but the season before. And she's done, I mean, a slew of things. She is she is one of the young crop of British talent coming out of uh, out of England these days, and she's just phenomenal. And she's a little fun size, so it's, <laughs> I just love that. No, all the best American actors are from England these days. Absolutely. I thought you heard <laughs> that or Australia, right? Yeah, no, they're coming to t- they're coming to take our jobs. And they do better. Take they do. Their they they take do. their germs. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm I'm so impressed. I knew that yeah. she was going to do something fantastic here with this movie, and this trailer just didn't disappoint. Oh no, especially after we watched that little. Remember, we saw the little thirty second. Uh, oh, yeah, twenty-second the, the teaser thing from the uh, the press junket. Yeah, yeah, that they did. Yeah, no, I mean that the... was and that was nothing like this. And we're thinking like, oh, they're gonna take this same footage and maybe build upon it. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. even think any of that footage was used. Uh, no, no, I, don't, I didn't I don't see think so. any of it, but I did see a whole lot of shit that I liked. Oh man, <laughs> um, I, you know, for me. Like I love, I love the characters in Star Wars, and I don't know Felicity Jones really. I'm not familiar with her work. She seems awesome. 
She reminds me of a lot of other actresses that I am more familiar with. Like the first couple scenes when I saw her, I thought she was Jennifer Lawrence. Not oh, lying. Lord, Jesus, really? They really? kind of look alike to me. I, you know, I'm not saying that all white girls look the same, but <laughs> I just couldn't tell the two of them apart. Wow. Um, but like for me, Stewart, more importantly, it's it's about it's about the with Star Wars. It's more about like the archetypes and the roles they play. I'll sure. be it'll be fun to see. I'm I'm excited about the fact that as this universe as they're, as they're rebuilding it, they're doing more with female lead characters. Absolutely, they've been doing this in the books and the cartoons and all of this for years, mm-hmm. and it's good to see that being represented on the big screen now to the widest possible audiences. Disney isn't stupid; they can get Disney's not mm-hmm. dumb. They know, they they're know. they're making they're making Star Wars Disney princesses because yes. It, it yes, it's fucking it's the thing to do now because they they see the future and um. So seeing what these char- these archetypes that they're building, these new archetypes are going to be, I think is really important. And I'm more excited about watching that from a critical perspective than from a personal one as far as the individual actors are concerned. On top of that, the other thing I like seeing is how they're taking the broader universe and they're finally doing more with it in terms of actual world building. Oh, you mean there's more than solos and skywalkers in the in yeah. the universe? Oh. Right. And and that and 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 what that look and what that looks like cinematically very specifically like watching my favorite scene in the trailer is watching the fucking adats come up the shore to that beach. It looks like they're in fucking Tripoli. Yeah. And like they're storming the fucking beaches. I assume and they're invading a base. That yeah, it's obviously it. some kind of invasion or mm-hmm. something going on there. They got the drop on on somebody over mm-hmm. the course of the story. And yeah. It's just such a great shot because the only time you've ever seen these before is I think there's like a there's a wreckage of one in The Force Awakens. Yes. And you're, then you're talking about the ad ads. The ad ads, yeah. Yes. Like when the giant, you know, I've seen internet memes that people have made <laughs> of this shit. One in particular is uh, that, I, that I've seen several iterations of people taking black and white photographs of um, – like from World War II, storming the beaches at Normandy and shit, and put like adats in the background <laughs> and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and drop stormtroopers in and shit. And it's That's great. It, it makes me dream to be able to see that kind of stuff represented on a big right. screen. And they're doing it. And I'm so excited. I tell you, um, uh, Corinne, what was your favorite part of the trailer? The trailer is really intense. I was trying to just. I don't even know my feelings on it. I'm trying not to put too much behind it and get disappointed, honestly. Okay, okay, but I mean, if you had to, if you had to pick one one moment, um, oh my goodness, that actress or the actor. Uh, well, which character are we talking the, about? He was in black, and he had the last verbiage at the end. Oh yeah, that's Forrest Whitaker. Oh, yeah, for, yeah, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. even sure the character he's playing. I don't even know. It's tightly under wraps. I mean, like I I forgot that he was in this. Oh yeah, I remembered he was in it, but I had no idea what they were gonna do with him. I'm like, I don't. What do you do with a guy like him? You can do yeah. just about anything. Yeah, he's incredibly versatile. Oh yeah. So I think that's what I'm really excited for to see what they do with him and how big of a role he's gonna have. Right. So who uh, who caught when 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 uh, Felicity's character is uh, running? I think in the Death Star or something like that. Anyway, she's on the Imperial base. There's a droid that was following her, really tall and lanky. There's two different scenes with this droid, and it happens really quick. Yeah, I missed it. You missed it. That's Alan Tudyk. Oh, That's the droid oh he's, he's playing. playing a droid. I told you this two episodes ago. Yeah, oh, he's I playing forgot. a droid. He, uh, Alan Tudyk, uh, big in the nerd sphere. It's okay. Firefly. Firefly. Serenity. Serenity. Dollhouse. The, he it. was the pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. he's Wash. 
He's washed. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Um, God, we're bad nerds. And, well, I, I'm not a bad nerd. I know who he is. Well, Anyways, it, took, it took long enough. So the idea is is that this uh, this is uh, um, uh, an imperial sort of like war droid or something like that, uh, like several steps up from a protocol droid that they uh, that they capture and then they uh, erase him, erase his memory, and then they set him with new protocols. That's Tudyk's character. Yeah, that's Tudyk's oh, character. Oh, okay, cool. So he's, apparently, he's supposed to be kind of uh, he's kind of a bit of a crab apple, and he's like sassy, and he's kind of an asshole. Right. He's Wash, but well, a yeah. robot. It's Alan Tudyk, like that's got <laughs> Alan Tudyk written all over it. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm impressed. The the casting, by the way, you mentioned this earlier, but when we were watching the the, the trailer, Randall, um, that whoever whoever they cast as Mon Mothma, right? Whoever they cast as Mon Mothma, that woman is like a carbon copy. I mean, I need to go back and watch Return of the Jedi I, I, just I, I have to it in be. My head. I mean, I do too, but at the same time, I want to. I, I want to do a side by side and really see who like is it that accurate or am I it's just projecting? Close. But whoever I mean, she's got it. Spitting whoever image. she is. Anyways, we're kind of getting off, yeah, off, yeah. off the track here. I think possibly the most impressive scene for me was mm. definitely seeing uh, it's Ben Mendelsohn. Prominent Australian actor playing the new Grand Moff Tarkin, just standing yes. there, replete in the robes, the cape, no. yes, the white yes. cape, looking super uh. fucking regal. And you gotta wonder because when you get to a New Hope, right, he has lost the cape and he's in a gray, and he's like in the gray yeah, yeah, uniform, his, and yeah. he's he's got the riding boots on and everything. He goes from so, but before this, obviously, something considerably more regal, or at least. We don't, you know. Well, he is a grand moth. I don't understand. See, that's the thing. I don't really understand what that implies he's, as he's far like, as it, Star I, Wars other than I being. I think there are only in the the super higher ups, there are only like three or four grand moths. Mm-hmm. And this is several steps above Admiral. This guy, like, he doesn't even know what shit smells like because he's so high up in the annals <laughs> that, you know, all the shit that rolls downhill starts with him. It's his shit. It's his shit that rolls downhill. Okay, so this guy is top of the pops. It's like it's like him and then, like, three others who are all, you know, uh, in the same position as he and then Vader and then the Emperor. Right. So I'm like this guy, and like I, he might be the biggest, the biggest fucking dog on the hog there. Mm. Well, from what I understand, it, uh, at least in so far, is that he is the principal villain for Rogue One yes. specifically. Not so much Vader, who's going to be featured, but in more of a secondary foreshadowing. Well, sort we of don't. A fashion. We don't really know. I mean, yeah, they, Vader, that's they're not going to make him a supporting character. Vader will have prominence in this. Even if it is only like 20 minutes, he is going to be showcasing some serious bad addery or bad assery. Excuse me. Some bad appledom. Bad appledom. <laughs> um, and uh, that the bit with uh, Ben Mendelsohn ties only with uh, Donnie Yen. The dude with the staff, when he comes up and approaches yes. Stormtrooper. This guy, I mean, if you guys don't know, he is like huge. Yeah. In, in China, in Hong Kong action martial arts films. This guy is ridiculously cool, and that's all him. Wow. That's all him. Yeah, he's one of these He's one of these grand uh, Asian martial arts yeah. superstars who in, in his that region of the world is 
the equivalent to like a Brad Pitt or somebody out oh, yeah. here. Oh, like, yeah. Superstar. He's like, right. you know, Jet Li and Jackie Chan have kind of like stepped back because they're not doing as much anymore. And yeah, I haven't seen in a long time. So this is, uh, <laughs> obviously, this is the first like big, big teaser that we get here for Rogue One, which doesn't drop until December. Long time. Um, we get it like December the 16th, and that's our next Star Wars film. Um, we are going to get, from what I understand, we're going to get uh, a proper, like, bigger full-length one with Captain America Civil War. We are so ridiculously psyched, and I guarantee that I'm going to watch this trailer again and again and again, because I tell you there's one person who was missing, and it's Mad Mickelson. It's a, it's a name. Uh, Hannibal. Okay, what did he play? Hannibal. Okay. I didn't watch eh, Hannibal. Fail. He's in this? <laughs> yeah, he's in this, too. He's also in Doctor Strange, funny enough. He's the yeah. main villain of Do- in Doctor Strange. So, oh anyways, there's some nerds here. There's some semi-nerds here. It's okay. I don't fault <laughs> any of you. I don't fault any of you. So, let's go ahead and... Um, obviously, everybody knows that The Force Awakens came out on Blu-ray two days ago. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, I'm sure there are millions of Americans who did exactly what I did and reserved their copy a month and a half ago at <laughs> Disney Store. So I went and I reserved my copy like six weeks ago, something like that. And for some people, you know, getting the DVD is enough. But for me, it just, it, it wasn't. When I went and reserved my copy, I got four limited edition lithographs even before I got the DVD. Then I got the DVD and it comes with three discs. It's the DVD and the Blu-ray and the bonus disc and the digital download. I paid $35 for this. You are such a whore. It sounds uh, dude, like you. You know, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and of course, I went and I, I, I poured through all of the bonus materials. It took me four hours. You watched all of it already? All of it. Oh, I would have. I watched had all I, of it. Had I ponied up a proper copy, I would have spent it. Nobody afternoon. was home. Made sure to have the day off. I just sat and watched it. <laughs> Nobody was home. I didn't have certain people who live here just totally lambasting <laughs> me for watching Star Wars all day in my living room, which was great. So not that I, you know, not that there's any love lost there, but uh, that person will rename, remain la- nameless. Um, so I know um, not everybody got to see everything, but I know you guys got to see some of it. A little bit. Little, a little bit of it. So some of the things they did, um, they uh, they talked about Poe Dameron, uh, and it, who's played by Oscar Isaac, um, and they they went heavily into this um, uh, during one of the interviews. Uh, I didn't know that Poe Dameron was actually supposed to be killed off in the the script that JJ actually penned. Um, Poe Dameron's supposed to be killed off um, fairly early on in the movie, and what changed his mind was actually Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac went to him and said, "Hey, you know." I've been in a lot of movies lately, and I think in the last five, I've died. Can we not kill me off? Oh. <laughs> I know, right? I think he was just really ex- he was just really excited to want to be in Star Wars. Yeah. And she's like, give me a chance, boss. Let me in, coach. I'm ready to play. <laughs> ready to play. So, and there's, you know, there's this really intriguing, you know, blossoming bromance here between uh, yeah. um, uh, myself and, uh, help me here, um, John Boyega. Yeah. So I mean, and hell, that movie wouldn't have been as enjoyable if it wasn't. Uh, the the chemistry between those two is is so, so incredible, good. and it's something worth building upon. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you even if you do end up killing one of these characters off later, it's going to be so much more because of how great these two are together. It's going to be so much better to watch something like that if it's going to happen in like the third movie. Um, some of the other things that I really really loved um, about the the bonuses. They did. They did like this four-part making of featurette. Took an hour, 
by itself to get through. And it nice. showed step by step the trials, the tribulations, you know, from the, the acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney, the Lucas and whoever the hell, Bob Iger, uh, signing the contract. Wow. Boom. To Kathleen Kennedy, who took over Lucasfilm. Um, who was Lucas's right-hand woman for the better part of since the inception of Lucasfilm, you know, back in the late 70s. I mean, it was, it's, it's a lot of fun. Eventually, you guys should watch it. And, and I mean, I have it. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys will watch it. But I think uh, I was tied up between two um, things that I really enjoyed. They did the cast read which was everybody with the scripts in front of them reading. Oh, just just doing, doing a read-through? Doing the full read-through. Once everybody was cast, it wasn't the whole thing, mind you, because uh-huh. okay. you know, they're that reading the entire script. Right. But no, they showed the beginning and then a few bits throughout and then the close. And oh, how cool. Mark Hamill was the narrator. Normally, it's the director, but Mark nice. Hamill narrated everything, which is well, really good. Well, good. He finally gets a chance to speak after right? fucking 20 years. Which I'm sure is you know, the, <laughs> the, you know, the, the reason why they had him narrating in the first place. Seems only fair. So they had that, and then uh, I think I love the end of the movie. The lightsaber duel is great. Um, not like on my number one numero uno lightsabers of all duels of all time, but it's definitely up there in my top three. But they had um, the... Uh, it's a feature at the the. Anyways, it was it was the behind the scenes how they built that fight, how they did it, and how they actually built nice. an entire set. And they brought real trees in there, and they had snow machines, and they, they built this full three sixty degree background that looped around the entire studio. Set pieces matter. Yes, I'm telling you, yeah. it makes yes. such a difference, and we've really lost side of that in a lot of movies these days. Mad Max yes. got that shit right and then Star Star Wars got it right. It was so immersive and it was beautiful. If you're keen to go buy this, it's got a ton of bells and whistles on it. Uh, this is one that I personally, I could not pirate. I couldn't, in good conscience, not give Disney more of my money. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Well, you did see it, what, like eight times in the theaters? Uh, 17 times. 17, the all right, I was yeah, 17 times in the theater. Join us every Sunday live for the Plex as the most interesting man strums his guitar above producer Dave's head. Stay tuned. How Google is slowly taking over the world. It's a fact. Their parent company, Alphabet, on the tech side of life, is working on some pretty amazing and scary things. I've said it before and I say it again. I, for one, am looking forward to welcoming our new overlords. (laughs) You know, uh, there is, uh, Market Watch put out uh, a bit of a list of the new items that uh, Alphabet and Google are working on. Some are are pretty pretty interesting, some are pretty fantastic. Uh, Topping the list of items here, they have something called a Lifeware Spoon. Liftware. Oh, Liftware, excuse me, it's Liftware, I... Misspelled that. Liftware spoon. You now, misset it, not misspelled it. All right, well, hey, you know what? You, you guys knew what I was saying. Um, yes, so you meant what I knew. Shut your hole. I was following. I was following. Thank you, love. I appreciate the backup there. So the liftware spoon. This is a spoon that enables patients who suffer with tremors, such as Parkinson's, to eat food without spills. This is really ingenious, actually. It's, uh, it's battery-powered or charged, and the, it has like a little gyro in it that offsets. Every time you make a motion down, it goes up. If you go up, it goes down. Basically, if you've got a jittery hand, this spoon actually stays stable. 
throughout all the tremors and jitters. And this is, as soon as I opened this doc, and I knew we had to talk about it because this hits home personally for me. My dad has been suffering from Parkinson's for the last decade. Mm -hmm. And, well, if anybody is aware of, you know, the plight of, of, of plight that one goes through when they're living and dealing with Parkinson's, they know that it is a slow, methodical degradation of your senses that eventually you just literally fall into this just jittering mess of a person who can't do anything. And this is a man who, I mean, literally did everything, was the quintessential outdoorsman, and, you know, literally hike up mountains with, you know, a pair of jeans on, barefoot with, you know, just his hands and his toes. I mean, this man did everything, and now, I mean... He's just not he's just not the man he once was. So having having something like this to kind of help out uh with his day to day, I think it's beautiful. I uh am thinking that I'm probably gonna order one for him and get it. I know that he would uh greatly appreciate it. I know because he's kind of a, a cereal man. He likes his uh he likes his veggies too. So Well the thing that's really cool about this is it's not just a spoon. Yeah. This is um this is a, a a modular like utensil tool. It's got a spoon, a fork, and a knife in it. Mm -hmm. So interchangeable you can, heads, on interchangeable it. heads on this battery pack, which mm -hmm. is really nice. Um, and so you can get a couple of these things and then multi-purpose them as needed. So you're not um, just limited to one particular device. It's a really smart move upon the upon the uh, people who made this. And the the thing that when you were when you were talking about with your dad, what it made me think of about this that I didn't really think about so much before is about preserving the dignity of life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and how Parkinson's is, is something that it it seems that if you don't if you don't haven't experienced it or haven't seen what it really looks like, it's easy to kind of disassociate. Yep. How what a difficult yep. thing it must be for an individual to have to deal with this constant. Shaking. I saw, I'd never really seen it before until I caught an interview with Michael J. Fox on this Back to the Future documentary yeah. and just just watching what it, how he moves and he just cannot stop moving. And yeah. it, it, it's kind of, you watch it and it's kind of, it's kind of silly at first and you, but as it continues, it's so just, it's painful to watch. And I can only imagine how painful it must be to experience and to get, and frustrating on an everyday level yes. to deal with something like that. So giving somebody this, this ability with, with such a simple piece of technology is awesome for helping them sort of maintain dignity and mm -hmm. be able to live a, a little bit more of a normal life, even if it's not perfect. So that's not all Alphabet has in the works though. Randall, do you want to talk on the next one here? The uh, yeah, genomics. this is the, the genomics project. This is pretty amazing stuff, man. Uh, Google is working on enabling scientists and researchers to uh, store, search, and run virtual uh, simulations on genetics and DNA in a way that is incorporating technologies they've developed with Google Search and with Google Maps. Mm -hmm. Uh, relating these things together to find new ways to analyze incredible amounts of genetic data and material so they can continue to unlock more genomes and essentially tinker with life and create new from from this comes incredible new medicines and uh, particularly the focus with the, this genomics company is on age research mm. it appears uh, oh no excuse me that's the the next one we're going to talk mm -hmm. about but no Google genomics is yeah just working on giving it's, it's about giving scientists like better and more powerful research tools to be able to study genomes which is well, and, awesome. and it's also a collaborative effort you know this is right. getting more scientists more of the big brains and the thinkers 
to get together and put in their two cents mm. so that we can build this greater picture. But this is also a little scary to me because is the Google version of Frankenstein too far away? <laughs> oh are, they, are they on the verge of creating artificial life? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Okay. So with uh, genomics, we go into longevity. Uh, and this is uh, one of their primary concerns is to get all of these drugs from experimental drug companies and kind of also get them into a collaborative effort to, again, combat aging. And there are a lot of other therapeutic approaches that go along with this. But Google is really, it seems, jumping on the forefront of, of, of medicine, trying to get together and, and tackle all of these problems you know, these uh, degenerative issues such as aging. Um, you know, I don't think it's too far off to think that, you know, in 100 years, you, the three of us won't be alive, but hell, you know, there could be uh, Google DNA running through all of our future populace that is, you know, uh, working against cell degradation and combating Alzheimer's and fighting off tumors and doing all kinds of crazy, you know, there could be Google patented nanobots running through our system fighting <laughs> right. off all of these these uh these these ailments that right. we take for granted these this days. this transition to to becoming alphabet was a really brilliant move because alphabet what it actually is from a business perspective is what they company. call a holding company yeah. and as a holding company they just they own a whole bunch of businesses and just give them money and minimal oversight to let them continue to do what they yeah. do while Google is sort of operating silently to work on how to better connect all these different organizations to do more and more things that achieve that company's greater goal. It's kind of like you're, you know, in Oklahoma, it's like it's your brother's sister's aunt. <laughs> it's actually Google, but they've made a bigger oversight parent, which they funnel money into and they just connect into everything, which is kind of scary because it's, you know, this is a megalop, uh, what, what is it? It's not a megalopolis, excuse me. Uh, it's a big city. It's uh, well, it's a monopoly. It's yeah. It's yeah. essentially a silent monopoly. Yes. But the, at, but on paper, it's not, and that's why they're able to get away with yes. it because there is actually Loopholes. a division between the companies. Yes, uh, since it's since everyone is still operating independently, um, and it's allowing a guy like it's allowing a guy like Sergey Brin to turn into the next Howard Hughes. Which, Lord, I, I mean, I guess I'm kind of okay with because these kind of projects take an incredible amount of money to bring to fruition when you're talking about being on the experimental edge of things like genetics and age research and um, things like artificial intelligence. Uh, Google's working on a project called DeepMind. Oh, scariness. Which is, I, I, I did a, this is probably the one I think I read the most about when I was uh, researching this article. And this DeepMind thing is fascinating. Are you, I, I don't know how familiar everybody is with the game Go, but Go is this, this wonderfully easy to learn, but, but impossible to master uh, Japanese, is it Japanese game. Is it Japanese or Chinese? It's Chinese. Chinese, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, that involves using these simple like things like black and white tiles, and you're supposed to form rows and prevent your opponent from being able to do the same. And it's got something like, I think, I think the number I read was billions and billions of and billions and billions and billions of possible moves. And the um, DeepMind was able to win 
for the very first time in artificial intelligence, this being DeepMind, was able to win a human in a game of Go. So to, to beat the best, a human. Yeah. Yes, to win a human. To, to so win a did, human. So did DeepMind, <laughs> like, <laughs> get a human? Does it get to keep it in a cage, put a little leash on it and a shawl? Thank you for bringing that down. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. It's kind of scary. So, I so got a What's going to happen to this poor human now? <laughs> so DeepMind is going to acquire this human it's and my... then take it over, and then DeepMind will assume this human form, and then the end of the world will be upon us. <laughs> that was my robot uprising, there uprising there Freudian slip. There's right the start, there. right? Because I know you were thinking it. I know yeah. you're thinking this. This kind of stuff does it skews me out a little bit. It really, really does. Like, okay, and we talked about this on a previous show, Randall. Mm-hmm. The idea of artificial intelligence does scare me. Yeah. yeah. It. It. Right. Have you seen Ex Machina? Of course, oh, yeah. I've seen Ex Machina. Oh. Of course, oh, yeah. I've seen that. Actually, that I, movie I, was I, chilling. I think oh, I, so I showed that movie to you. Didn't we go together? Uh, no, we were, anyways, <laughs> anyways, yes, I've seen it, you've seen it, brilliant, yes, we know what we're talking about. Uh, you know, I hate to reference this, but I do think to, you know, think to, uh, you know, The Matrix, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, some kind of, you know, robot overlords eventually, you know, we're too stupid to live on our own and, you know, take care of ourselves and we're too destructive, so hey, guess what, our, our, our logical you know, robot overlords are going to go ahead and do the thinking for us and put us into this little world. And I mean, sure, that's totally grasping at straws. And if that's going to happen, I will not be alive to see it. I hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But I mean, it, it does. It it does worry me. I mean, I want to see it. Eventually, it is an eventuality. We as a species are evolving technologically so fast mm-hmm. that eventually somebody will crack this. The the thing that I find fascinating is that we as human beings seem to have better or worse, for better or for worse, reached the general peak of our physical evolution. And uh, well. from and and from there now the next stage of evolution because human beings do not stop evolving, we have started to develop all of these technologies that um are uh to me seem very much to be the next stage of our of our development you know we're not we're not developing physically anymore but our brains and our ability to use our brains to solve increasingly complex problems as many of which we have generated as we have discovered um that seems to me where our evolution is going and that's something that can go exponentially fast it seems evident i mean you look at the you look at the last like 300 years of human history versus the last like 3000 years of human history before that. And look how much happened in the last three centuries versus the last three millennia. Mm -hmm. And and as you get closer to our current time, you think about how, what the exponential increase in technology. Cell phones. When I first got my first cell phone, that brick Nokia that never broke. And now like, Every phone looks the same, and they have different interfaces, and yeah. it's very. Mm-hmm. Like, and we have access to the entire library of anything uh, of anything and everything we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- a- a touch of our fingertips, and yeah. it's 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 astounding. But you know that makes me think of you know um, uh, computer human hybridization. And then, uh, uh, how how long before we're all Borg? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Give it time. It's it's something that probably won't happen on purpose. It never does. Oh no 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 no! no. It, it probably won't. But some then of it'll the, be like wildfire. You know, some of the stuff up. that's coming out of this does have a little bit of sort of less scary implications and really cool ones. Sure. Like this, what is uh, this project? Soli. I don't know if you saw this. Yep. This is um, 
this is an I this is a technology that uh, is being worked on that allows you to basically do the kind of touchscreen computing that they did in Minority Report. Right. The the uh, Tom Cruise movie where he had the sort of holograph projected images mm-hmm. of the big screen there, the and he's computer screens, and he's able to literally just fun stuff. swipe his hands around in midair and make screens appear and disappear from projectors that we don't see somewhere because right. they they have to be coming from some kind of source. But uh, this is this is a this is this is it right here the technology. Well, I and basically what this this is is you've got uh, radar emitters up in a space and you have a screen in front of you and the radar emitters detect arm, wrist, finger movements and then they complement on the screen accordingly to whatever you're doing. So, And this is cool. This is cool. If I could stand over here in the corner of my flat and operate the television and, you know, tune the lights up and, I mean, basically lock my door even. I mean, that that might right. be a little bit of a stretch there. But no. I imagine there's like a little app that I can access on my TV that goes into home security and I can dim the lights and close the blinds mm. and cue the fucking Marvin Gaye <laughs> as the pretty girl comes down the hallway and be like, duh, duh, like a composer, be like, right here, honey, landing strip, get some lights going on. I'm you like the visual you're painting there and you what you're actually doing in front of me. <laughs> Hey, it works. It's we totally works. I'm video. just saying, for those of us who like to talk with our hands a Absolutely. lot, I'm very gesticulating. This is here, guys. this is this is fucking perfect. Yeah, I think uh, of everything on here, what I'm most hyped about is the smart contact lenses. Okay. Yeah, that seem really cool. Okay, I'm I'm blind. I totally wear so glasses. Randall's blind. He wears glasses. Uh, Miss Slade here, she opts for contacts almost always though she looks smashing in a pair of glasses it's the very naughty teacher thing oh, thank you. um but you're you're welcome <laughs> um but they have the potential here to to not only correct vision but you can do all kinds of crazy things that this mm. this will actually monitor your body like the glucose levels whether or not you're intoxicated uh if you're if you're getting a fever and this will also transmit all of this data on your mobile device to processing centers that go to your fucking to your doctor you know this has a wave of the future here is awesome because this is um a system that can monitor you and also aid you at the same time right and I mean, wow, I still get real squiggy about putting stuff in my eyes, but I would wear these <laughs> yeah. if I knew that I didn't have to worry about going to the doctor half as much as I do now. Mm. If they could just give me a call and be like, hey, no more hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to cut down on your beer intake. And I mean, like, how now. fucking convenient is that? Yeah. Right. You get alerts to your smartphone. You've you had go. too many potato chips today. There you go. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. You cannot have your third bag of Cheetos. I'm telling you, man, this is th- this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's what's it's the coolest thing about it? What is the cool- is they are solar powered. Oh, that's right. So you just solar look up. Pa- so no, you're just up hanging out yeah. during the day and they're charging themselves. Yeah. Seems like it'd be funny because it's a it says it it, it uh, detects intoxication. Yes. And so that could be interesting. Like all AA groups make it mandatory or something. Oh, see? <laughs> are we going to pull over by the cops and they put yeah. a fucking flashlight like, in your room? No, no. That's got a breathalyzer? You don't even need a no, breathalyzer no, no, anymore. No. It's a retinal scanner they to see how have, drunk you are? Oh, yeah. see? See, thank you. Some kind of like app that goes back a, to their phone. Know. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Or they can use it to start the car, you know, for those that get DOIs. And... Look in the scanner. No, yeah. no, you're drinking too many. Exactly. Or the car won't start if the contacts say. Oh, that, that shit's going to be wired into the fucking flashlight. 
So when they shine the flashlight in your car at night, when they pull you over and they think you're drunk, they're going to put the flashlight in your eyes and it's going to go into the fucking ship in their ear. That's going to then like alert. That's then going to like immediately let them know that this person is fucking teetotaled and radio for backup simultaneously. For anybody listening to the show, don't forget to call in. One four zero eight four five seven one seven five seven. Yes, that is a phone number where you can call us and talk about whatever you want. You want to talk politics? Talk politics. You want to talk religion? Talk religion. If you want to talk to us just to hear your own voice, call us. In fact, if you want to talk to us and make fun of us, even better. Again, that number is one four zero eight four five seven one seven five seven. Call us anytime, nine to midnight Pacific Standard Time. We want to hear you, and better yet. You want to hear us. Randall, talk about this. So this this article is really awesome. Uh, building off of the all the things we just talked about with Alphabet and Google. Frightening. One of the most, yeah, it's... it's frightening. It's all things that have a lot of really frightening implications. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, one of the, what the one thing that previous article didn't really talk about is the stuff the most common and prevalent thing that Google actually does, which is provide search engine database for people. And this guy Robert Epstein uh, just published this essay that fucking blew me away, talking about the prospect that Google has for being able to influence popular opinion, especially with things like our coming election cycle and and election cycles in the future. When it comes to politics, what a company like Google can do in the digital age with a search engine to influence popular opinion based on whatever their particular agenda or biases have to be or whoever wishes to pay them enough to make it happen is incredibly scary and really kind of dan- and, and really sort of dangerous. We, with that being said, one would hope that Google is 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 fair and democratic about the whole thing and doesn't accept monies from people who want to You mean you slant. wish Google was on your side? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I just like to think that Google has a moral compass. Oh, they do, but it it it, it it's something that we don't it, get to see yeah. and that we don't get to know. Google is incredibly inscrutable about all this. Yes. And part of the and and part of the thing that's that's so creepy about this is the fact that they are able to operate we all know that Google is sort of like benevolent dictators, but the actual extent of what they do and how they operate is largely unknown because it's they do so in a way that's almost completely invisible. And this guy, Robert Epstein, kind of started to figure this out and he started to do some experiments to try to test this theory, right? Um, the, the way that he went about this was rather ingenious, if I do yeah. say so myself. Yeah, it was really cool. He started um, with the like doing this experiment that involved getting people to get their opinions about a about an election and about the candidates in the election and who was going to be um who who they who these various groups of people thought was going to be the right like the 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 person they would support and they got these folks into a couple different groups and gave them three some basic, different groups, three different groups. And they gave them some basic information. So this is Ameri- This is a, a, an American study that was done using information from an Australian election uh, in 2010, which right. was which was done so that everybody could have a relatively objective opinion. And this was a case study done in America. 
Yeah, they with took, an American with an American test group. They pulled several people and they put them in three groups, and they put uh, they they put they basically they used a, a fake research engine, mm-hmm. and in the research engine they in one group they had biased articles about the candidate. In another group, they had very favorable articles about a candidate. And in the third group, which was the control group, they didn't do anything. They just kind of mixed the results up. Mm-hmm. And the results that they found were, were rather intriguing, and they went on to do several more tests yeah. because the results were just so enlightening. Mm-hmm. Well, they built, a, cause they, they, they built their own sort of fake search engine yes. and gave all of the test subjects the ability to, to go on and look up information about these different people. And they made sure to, amongst the different groups, set the search rankings in a particular way mm-hmm. that would potentially influence people's opinions so that mm-hmm. the the information that each they wanted each group to see would favor a particular person that they wanted the, to change their mind about. Do we either favor or slander? That's very interesting. What did this article, did it recently come out? Yeah, this came out, this this article about this came out really recently. And it's recently. a culmination and, of like six years of research doing similar studies. Well, well here's, you, and here's the fucking crazy part about well, it. Well, hold on, that, hold on. She's, she's got a question. Oh, no, it's just really cool because it's fascinating because uh, I'm obsessed with House of Cards. So, spoiler alert, um, they did something kind of like this in the latest season to where they actually um, showed the, the running and then how someone used this social media and uh, used it to his benefit. And then they kind of battled over it and it made it for a really interesting story so i'm kind of horrified that's actually kind of a real thing (laughs) right like this is this may very well be going on already but we have no idea because they're able to make things look completely invisible and when it came to this particular study when that epstein did the end result of the study is that the proportion of people favoring the search engine that they created's top-ranked candidate increased by 48 and a half percent yeah so they were able to shift public opinion on like almost a one to two ratio with all um on top of that 75 percent of the people in these various groups uh seem to have been completely unaware that they were viewing biased search rankings mm-hmm. mm. they could not tell that their opinion was being changed oh, sneaky which is terrifying because most people when they use search engines usually only click like the first yeah. one two three mm-hmm. yeah Things. They don't so go past the first page. They, don't, they never go past the first page, and they rarely go beyond the past three mm-hmm. or four links at mm-hmm. most. It's usually the first because two. Because Google is so good at giving us exactly what we're searching for. And we're so yeah. confident that they yes. are because that's they're just because they're so good at it. And what they call this is what well, what Epstein called this is the search engine manipulation effect. Um right now, like Oh fuck! I don't know. Um, this shit is just this shit is just fucking crazy. There's Basically, a particular quote from the article that I that I want to talk about because the, the, he frames this article very specifically in the context of the 2016 election and how Google, at the same time that they're that they're doing their search engine stuff, started this started this like little private company that is basically designed to get Hillary Clinton elected. And right. are they using? Google to influence public opinion opinion against or or in favor of Hillary Clinton. I don't know, and I won't be able to know. And I'm not 
You know, know, this this kind of shit makes it really easy to want to like slip on your tinfoil hat and talk about <laughs> yeah. Google's of course, the new Illuminati and fucking yeah. whatever. And I'm not saying that that's false true. False flags, false flags. Right, they're fucking <laughs> everywhere in this in this story. There's so many. There's so much potential for false flag shit here, and that just shit. <laughs> the implications of this are just fucking staggering when you when you when you think about so just this, what they can do. This leads me to one important thing. You should do your own research. There it is. Very important. Then you'll do you'll... your own research. This okay, this is coming from the layman here. If there is some kind of crazy algorithm out there that is swaying the populace and their opinion towards Hillary Clinton, I'm not aware of it. Yeah. I'm totally not aware of it. You and that be. means that they're doing their job. It means that whoever is writing these algorithms to get past Google's security, to undermine Google's you know, prowess and power, to give us everything that we want is really frightening. And this is, this smacks of, you know, Orwell, 1984, and so many other, oh, yeah. so many other writers... And I, I for one, am, am a little worried these days about where society is going in general in regard to this. Because Google is so prominent. Because, because of all the search engines out there. I mean, we don't think of Hotbot and we don't think of Yahoo. Whenever we need to go Bing. look something Bing. <laughs> Whenever we need to go look something up, where do we go? We call it Google. Google it. Google. Google, yeah. Google is now a verb. Yeah. Now a verb. Google is now a verb. If you need to look for something, if you need to research something, you just ah, you Google it. Yeah, that is a common word in the human vernacular now. I probably yeah. say it every day. You know what? I say it once, twice a day. Guarantee, I say yeah. it ten times a week. Google it. Yeah, Google Epstein it. Epstein mentions as such in the article, and that's frightening. They they have such a they have such a potent effect on us as a brand that yes. we sort of implicitly trust them. Yes, when they're they're just as much of an and just as much of an evil empire as Disney is. <laughs> no. We're gonna move on to uh, Matthias Nesner. This is a scientist who works out of Stanford. He's con uh, he's developed um, with uh, several scientists. This really interesting, this kind of fun but very frightening uh, motion capture software. The video that this gentleman presents here uh, is is rather frightening. It's called Face to Face. It's real time face capture and reenactment, and it uses uh, RGB videos. The videos that they show um, <laughs> are are a little freaky. Basically, what they do is they take a loop a video loop of somebody prominent like George W. Bush, Saddam Hussein, Hillary Clinton, and they just take a small segment where... Very various. Oh, yeah, very various. Okay, <laughs> Donald Trump. And what they do is they take a video clip of, of, of this person not talking. They're not talking. There's no audio. It's just an image of them, but it's a video. Excuse me. It's a video of them, and they might be moving their head, and they might be cocking to the left. They might be cocking to the right. They might be looking at the screen. They might be looking away, but the point is they're not talking, and then what they do is they, they implement this, um, uh, this, the, this kind of mic slash sensor in front of your face, which captures your entire face. So this is motion capture here. 
And what you can do is you can you can overlay anything that you might want to say or do. Any motions that you make on your face are translated onto the image of this person, this video. So this short clip that has them Donald Trump or George W. or Saddam Hussein saying nothing suddenly is turned into a reproduction of whatever you're saying. Your any any facial tics, any eyebrow raises. Even something that you say, and it is realistic. It's scary looking. Or something looking. that you didn't say. Or something you didn't mm. say. And this is the reason. This is the reason I put this story on the docket because when you tie this back to what we we're just talking about, yes, this this search engine manipulation effect. Part of being able to build legitimacy in this kind of stuff. See, I've I've read these stories before. Yeah, this is this this kind of stuff is like my favorite science fiction like storybook material, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, because the implications for our immediate future are so fascinating. And this idea of being able to change public opinion in an invisible way and create invisible dictatorships and power struggles is fucking incredible. And I love the fact that this guy, like I love the subjects that this guy, Matthias Niesner chose for his study. He chose George Bush. Mm -hmm. He chose Hillary Clinton, Vladimir he chose Putin. Putin, he chose Trump, he chose these political leaders mm -hmm. to do his study on. And I think he did that. It seems to me like he did that to be as much of a warning as a thought experiment yes. as anything else to get his work done, to get himself noticed. But I, I'd like to think to just be like, hey, this is this 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 could be a thing. If anybody listening uh, or anybody who is going to be listening later on in the downloads, anyways, if anybody's listening, paying attention, go to uh, Face to Face. That's F-A-C-E, the number two, F-A-C-E, real-time face capture and reenactment of RGB videos. Do this search in YouTube. It's about a 10-minute video, and it's it's kind of uncanny, honestly. They do a side-by-side -side comparison. They have... Uh, and I'm, I'm referencing the one with George W. Bush. They've got a small window with George W. Bush and the segment that they took of him just kind of moving his head about, not talking. Then they have a bigger picture of a gentleman with the device in front of him. You can't see it. It's off camera. But he's moving his mouth. And he's doing little facial tics. And then they have an, a third window up. And it's George Bush, but he's mimicking all the facial tics and the mouth movements. And you could see it looks genuine. If you if you <laughs> drop the resolution just a little bit, made it a little grainier, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's not perfect. No. But upon it's closer scrutiny with some of the clips, you can see a few of the cracks in the facade. But this technology is very new. And the the where anybody with a with a, a weathered eye can see it's in the mouth. It's in the bit mapping the texturing of the mouth as somebody opens mm -hmm. you know they have to render that and obviously they take that from other videos and you know they they map the inside of the mouth frame by frame from other videos and they overlay that and they texture it and they make a seamless or they attempt to at least right. the tech is not there but two years from now it will be I, I, don't, I don't know as someone who as as someone who is a a big fan of animation yeah Mimicking, accurately mimicking human speech in animation is one of the hardest things to do. And I can only imagine that trying to do so in real time with motion capture, like this guy is, is trying to achieve, has got to be even harder. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a while before this technology is uh, 
powerful enough and seamless enough as to be largely invisible to the human eye. Yes. But as soon as Google gets, gets wind of this, don't think Alphabet's not going to start funneling them some fucking dough. I'm just saying. And Are we being part of the problem by talking about this guy right now? Maybe. Maybe. But again, I for one welcome our new robot overlords. In a world where flying cats are shooting lasers from their eye beams, where can you turn for solace and hope for the future? Echoplexmedia.com. Sunday nights, 9 a.m. Randall and I are going to close out the show here with a quick... Skewering. Skewering of Batman v. Superman. Uh. Randall <laughs> went and saw this yesterday. Uh, it's the one time that he saw it, and I've seen it twice. And I think we can start with the things that we didn't like, and then I'd like to highlight with the things that I did like, because I was very torn with this picture. I was very, very, very torn with this picture. Spoilers lay ahead to anybody who is paying attention. <laughs> I am going to talk very frank and candidly about this movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm excited to hear you guys' reviews. Okay. My personal opinion, Zack Snyder needs not direct any more movies for the DCCU. Oh, he's done. He better be done. He better fucking be. Now, I know I'm in the minority here. I really enjoyed Man of Steel. I liked it a lot. I did too, actually. He had a story and he told it very well. Unfortunately, he got overzealous and he tried to cram too much into this film. This is a mashup of The Dark Knight Returns and the death of Superman, Doomsday. This is a, a this is a mashup that just didn't work for me. There was too much film, there was too much story, and essential parts were cut out, and things were like mashed together, literally, to the point where <clears throat> I was expecting, you know, an hour forty-five, maybe two hours of a film, and it would be interspersed with good bits of action. Uh, with a good culmination at the end. Instead, I got this very long, plodding, drawn-out film interspliced with a few intriguing points. I literally... I'm I'm a movie guy. Big movie guy. And I'll tell you, sitting through this movie the second time, there were two instances where I was actually getting excited in the two-and-a-half-hour run of this film two minutes, two different instances where I was literally like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The rest, I was just kind of sitting in my chair watching. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have big reactions to it. No. I was kind of let down. I, Superman in this is just so morose and, and, and just conflicted, which is fine because, you know, he's dealing with the backlash 18 months later of, you know, what happens when the world is introduced to Superman. But he's he's just so broody and so almost, I don't want to say whiny, but I mean, he was just, he complained a lot in this film. He really did. He complained a little too much in this film. The A lot of the actors, their screen time was sparse and wasted. You know, Jeremy Irons, who is the new Alfred, totally looking forward to seeing more with Jeremy Irons. He was great. Totally looking forward to seeing what he was Jerry. great. Loved him in it. Loved him in it. But he didn't have enough screen time. Um, Diane Lane uh, plays Martha Kent. She's she's a total of like seven minutes of screen time. And again, maybe eight. But again, it's wasted. 
half of which is the damsel in distress. She's got a one-liner or two that's good. She's got a really deep prophetic message to give, but I felt it was kind of squandered. It wasn't spliced together right. My biggest problem with this movie is the editing. The editing was horrible. Yeah. The editing was horrible. The story was really clumsily told it as was. a result of the editing. You, you just don't understand a lot of what's going on. And well, it really... It, 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 things that, 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 in my opinion, required a lot more gravitas. Yeah. And a lot more just attention and focus mm -hmm. didn't have it. And then they, they needlessly threw in flash and spectacle and, and, and wow. Yeah. You know, if Zack Snyder's good at one thing, it's 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 making a film. He's and when I say that I mean creating something that has a lot of pomp and circumstance. But he's good at creating blockbusters. He is great at making something really shiny and pretty. But when it comes to giving a good foundation and a story, he fails. He fails yeah. again and again and again. There have been movies that he's done that I think were great, like Watchmen was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Love Watchmen. Sucker Punch is good and bad. But overall, I like the film. But this, it just, it, it left me wanting. I think my biggest gripe for this film, my biggest issue with this film, and then Randall, I'll go to you with your biggest gripes, was Lois Lane. Okay, Amy Adams. Wasted. A sensational actress. Really, really, really good actress. She only serves as a focal point to be rescued in this film. Everything that she does in this movie, every single, the first scene you see her in, I'm a journalist, and I want to talk to you about this important thing. Oh, shit, I'm in trouble. Oops, Superman shows up, saves me, boom. Now we have some kind of, you know, slightly sexualized scene where she's in the bathtub and you're getting lots of half-boob. Loved it. Great for that alone. But then <laughs> the next scene she comes in, it's like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. Wait, okay, no, I have a problem. All right, Superman's going to come to my rescue. And then, boom, scene again. I'm on LexCorp, and oh shit, I got pushed off, and then boom, suddenly Superman's there to save me. Mm -hmm. And then shit, uh, I, I did something stupid with the scepter, and I threw it in the water, and now I regret it, so now I'm going to go get this. And then, oh, building collapses on me. Oh, Superman has to save me. I mean, fuck off. And then what? She's there at the end and like crying, and it just wasn't believable. No. And she just served to to be a reason for Superman to, to save somebody. I mean, the whole bit with her drowning. It's She's pathetic. banging in the middle of the shitstorm that is Apocalypse tearing up this island. She's banging on a door underwater close to drowning. And Superman stops mid-pose, goes, oh, that must be Lois. Boom. I'm going to go save her. It. I was so disappointed. She, like Luke Skywalker, exists <laughs> only to be rescued. No. <laughs> oh my goodness! It was. It was so disappointing. It was. It was pathetic. the The thing about the movie is the things that I liked about it, I really liked about it, mm -hmm. and the things that I didn't like about it, I fucking hated about it. Yeah, like that particular fact right there. The that Lois Lane essentially exists only to be rescued throughout the entire movie. She's just, she's completely extraneous. Her character is totally irrelevant. At the same time, too, like. So is Wonder Woman, frankly. You you have Gal Gadot, who I don't I don't know who she is. I don't know what kind of actor I don't know what kind of actress she is. I don't know what kind of chops she has. And I'm not gonna find out in Batman v Superman because she maybe has 15 lines of dialogue in the entire fucking movie, which I found to just be ridiculous. Like she's completely extraneous, designed to be there only to preview her at her own full-length feature film her character is completely shoehorned into the fucking plot she has nothing to do with anything you could take her out and the movie would be fine 
<clears throat> and as such, all they do is like just parade her around in a bunch of skimpy outfits and like have her look really sexy and not say a fucking word until the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the film. And then she has, like I said, like 15 lines of dialogue. She's basically there to either be sexy or to kill things. Yeah. And there's nothing else about her that matters in this movie. And I found that considering that they're trying to build this pantheon to do the Justice League films, I found that to be particularly egregious about Wonder Woman. Like, this is th this is your moment where if you're going to put her in, fucking do it right. And that's the thing with this movie. It was so pandering to the building of DC's tentpole yeah. because they've been so woefully behind Marvel for so long that they're just like, we can do this too. We're going to make it so awesome. Look. And I'm like, fuck you. If you're going to do it awesome, do it right. Wonder Woman didn't need to be in this movie. And now that I've actually seen it done, I would rather that she wasn't. I'm going to disagree with you on that. Um, I, I like the addition of Wonder Woman. I think her character served a purpose. They could have fleshed it out better. What I didn't like is the blatant and basically useless introduction of everybody else, the Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman. Mm. You know, when she opens up the files, oh, is this you? I, I liked they, they introduced her, and I would have been happy with her opening up the, the, the file that Bruce Wayne sent her. We all know what those symbols are. The double C for Cyborg, you know, the mm -hmm. little lightning bolt for Flash, and the the trident shape for Aquaman. We all knew what the fuck that was. Yeah, we all knew what it was. We didn't need to see little snippets of everybody in it. We just didn't need to see it. Everybody knew what it was, and if you weren't, then you then you obviously weren't seeing that film. So mm -hmm. that's fine. <laughs> I liked her. I liked her enough in it. She could have. They could have given her a little more, a bit more screen time. And they could have fleshed her character out more. But I personally, as one of the high points of the film, loved her introduction as as Wonder Woman when when Doomsday comes in. And oh, is the about, fight scene is, is about great. to waste him. That fight scene was. I think the fight scene was really, really, really good. It's absolutely I, the I highlight of the movie. I, I mean, I hated that they brought the whole Doomsday thing in, and I hate that they did the whole Death of Superman bit. Um, but as as a service to the fans, um, you know, they they had the right idea in mind. They mm -hmm. just failed to deliver. I, I think in terms of expediency, when it comes to making movies. I have less of an issue with them tying in the the Doomsday Superman, you know, Death of Superman thing. It's fine. You kind of bang it out. You could have done could've... another movie here. You could have yeah, done it entirely. I guess you could have. This was two different movie. This was you, you two could've... different prominent and well received comic books that they smashed together. If this yeah. had just been Batman v Superman, mm. this would have been fine. And then Wonder Woman comes in, maybe gets into the mix. And then they realize, oh, hey, we're all on the same side. There were, I mean, I don't disagree, except unless I don't disagree unless you're unless you're the one that got to doing this thing first with the tentpole kind of idea, right? Yeah. Like DC, <coughs> DC being in second place in this, well behind, well behind, and, is and trying is to like scramble to catch up. And that's the thing. This movie is basically just a giant trailer. Yeah. for the next three or four movies they're going to come out with. Well, yeah. And that's the thing that I have the problem with because as someone who's been wanting to see this particular thing unfold on screen for so long, the fact that they basically used it as a as a two and a half hour advertisement for the is incredibly disappointing to me. Well, I'm going to segue into something here in regard to what I, I like the most. And I am, after seeing this, the most surprised that this is my favorite thing. 
and it's Ben Affleck as Batman. Fucking A! Okay. Okay. So good. I was I was with everybody in the really? world who was like, "Oh, Ben Affleck as Batman? Oh hell no." And I'll tell you why. Because rarely have we gotten an actor who can fill both shoes, mm-hmm. who can be Bruce Wayne and can be Batman. And I'll tell you Ben Affleck being the big retarded fanboy that he is just knocked it out of the park and I'm not done. I'm not done. So, he does that the aged, seasoned, brooding Bruce Wayne very well. He's 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 got a bit of a an assuredness that's on the verge of cocky, but he's earned it. But then coming in as Batman, love the suit, yeah. love the short ears, love the black bat emblazoned on the gray suit. It's the Dark Knight Returns suit. It's the real Dark Knight Returns suit. And I'll tell you, they took serious cues from the Arkham Knight games. When that big, the, there's a big fight with Batman and this crew of these 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 hired guns. He blows out the floor and shoots up really quick, so fast they don't even see him. And then they're all like firing down, and then he throws these little magnetic explosive devices onto all their guns, blows up their guns, and then drops down, and then. I mean, if you've—I don't know that you've ever played these games, Corinne. But, no, I haven't. I mean, the choreography for this fight scene was beautifully woven together. He's doing jumps and flip kits. He's using his batarangs. He's using his grapple gun. There's a scene he jumps over a box after taking somebody out, shoots the box, uses it, throws it at three or four other people, and then jumps up and does all these crazy. He like grabs some guy and like drops him, and then does like a tombstone drop. Like they took full cues out of this game, which is super well-received, mm-hmm. and they did beautiful. So the absolute favorite thing in this movie was Ben Affleck as Batman. He, I was really, he really, dropped it like really it amazed. Hot. It was beautiful. He did very well. And I have to say, the previous renditions of Batman have been a guy doing a gravelly voice. Yeah. Okay, they got smart with it. He's got a he's got a, a voice modulator at his throat, um, so it, it 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 you know it's it's a, a, it's a digital reproduction of his voice. Can I can I tell you something? Yeah, yeah. Tell me something. That's the secret. That's the secret. To why Ben Affleck was able to play both roles so equally well, because historically you've had every other person that's played Batman had they've had them sort of drop their voice low and try to do this gravelly scary thing a la Christian Bale yeah right and oh, it yeah, just he never sounds it. it never sounds right it always sounds cheesy and contrived yeah. and the vocal descrambler thing is just like a beautiful simple solution to make that work and you know where they fucking got that from Arrow I'm telling you oh, because because me. on Arrow on the CW yeah. that's what they did yeah, that's what that Stephen Amell's character you know does is Green Arrow he uses this voice scrambler and as soon as I saw that I was like oh there's the solution you just use this thing to drop their to drop your voice and then you can sound like whatever the fuck you want mm-hmm. and they got to do that with Batman that's the only way that you can make Batman and Bruce Wayne be one actor instead of two and they got it and it's and it's brilliant and yeah fucking Ben Affleck just nailed it. No, he nailed it. He, 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 he did so well at it. Yeah. It was beautiful. And I loved that in in context of that, like I said, the things that I liked about this movie I did really like, which yeah. is the fact that this movie is so dark and it's so grim and it's so brooding and the characters are... <clears throat> the characters, the principals, you know, Batman and Superman, are the 
they've become the worst representations of themselves. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And I like that in terms of in terms of of a movie because it gives them somewhere to come back. It becomes this redemption story. It gives them something to come back from, right? And so you have you know you have Batman who is clearly just driven beyond the the brink when it term when it comes to the end justifying the means like he might as well be the punisher with a fucking batarang you know what i mean you watch this movie and he just he kills so many people with no compunction that's always been his his moral imperative is i don't kill and you watch him just gun all these people down and not give two shits about it and you have superman who is supposed to be you know a god among men who is the most vulnerable insecure narcissistic sort of pathetic, frail human thing that you could see. And I loved being able to see them kind of work through that in the movie. I just think they could have, they could have used, they could have just done it so much better. And with that, I'm going to close out the show as it's after midnight. Well, after midnight now. So everyone, thank you for joining us. The next show, we're going to talk about the Lego Batman movie. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm so the good Batman movie that's about to drop. So everybody loved uh, the Lego movie that came out two years ago, and they are doing a Lego Batman movie. If anybody has uh, has seen the trailers, good for you. If anybody hasn't seen the trailers or doesn't know about it, now you know the Lego Batman movie is a thing. It's definitely happening, and everybody's coming back. Um, I'm also going to talk about a movie called The Swiss Army Man. This stars Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. And it centers around uh, Paul Dano uh, being uh, a young man who's deserted, who's uh, marooned on a uh, on a deserted island, and he finds a cadaver, Daniel Radcliffe, and Daniel Radcliffe becomes his kind of best friend, and it also <laughs> kind of a pseudo Swiss Army knife in that this cadaver is able to do everything. If you guys haven't seen the trailer, watch it. It won oh. cans as best film. That so, sounds really creepy and awesome. The trailer is yeah. delightful. It is. I just saw it the other day, and I'm throwing it on the next docket. It doesn't come out until the beginning of June, but I want to highlight it now because it has such potential. It's just so awesome. So um, that and several other goodies are coming up for our show. So I speak from everybody here at Face Radio. We to say thank you. Randall? Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> there was never more enthusiasm met <laughs> on the mic I'm than tired. this man right here. Uh, that was my last gasp. And Lady... Laid. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I had a lot of fun, and I look forward to next time. Oh, I think we both do as well. Actually, I'm looking forward to the uh, the choice in pajamas that you're going to have. Yeah, I'll make sure not to disappoint. Okay, I trust that you won't. <laughs> I have I have complete and absolute faith in you, my love. Lovely. Well, have a wonderful night, everyone. Cheers.
Fuck off, Jericho! I don't wanna hear it! Fuck off, Jericho! 